0: Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Can we do that? I want to talk to you from the subject, The Good News Comes to Mary. Last week, we looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth and talked about the Lord remembers. The Lord remembered Zechariah and Elizabeth and gave them the baby that we know as John the Baptizer. Now, I just kind of titled this The Good News Comes to Mary. I was going to say Christmas phrases or Christmas words or words that make Christmas Christmas or words that make Christmas the most wonderful time of the year, but I went with The Good News Comes to Mary. Is that all right? (laughs) Okay. All right, Luke chapter 1. Now, the birth stories of Jesus are found in Matthew 1 and 2 and in Luke 1 and 2. And these these four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all give us four different announcements. Now, there's a lot of overlapping material, some of them from different perspectives. uh, But they give us four announcements of the good news of this one called Jesus. The Gospels are four good news announcements or declarations of something that's happened in history that you need to know about. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I want us to look at the good news as it's introduced to Mary. Now we don't really in our circles, we don't give Mary enough credit, uh, but she was an incredible lady, incredible lady. And she kind of becomes, if we can use this word, a prototype of what a real disciple of Jesus really looks like, her attitude or service to the Lord. And I want want to just go into this story and just pinpoint a few phrases, I believe that will help us strengthen our faith. All right. All right, Luke chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 26, and we're going to read to the 38th verse. You ready? All right, it'll be on the screen. You can follow along with me, or you can read out loud as well. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David." And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Well, I love that phrase. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We just give it our attention and we ask you to speak to our hearts. We ask you to change us. We ask you to help us to help us to see you more clearly, Lord. To help us to follow you better. Help us to understand who you are, so that we can partner with you in the thing and the assignments and the purposes you've called us to do. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. The first phrase I want to look at here is this idea: "To a virgin." This angel, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, comes to marry this young lady who is a virgin. It says, to a virgin. So right away, we're, we see as in the reading of this story, right away, I mean, this is just the opening lines of the gospel. Right away, we see a different kind of story with supernatural stuff involved in it. Supernatural in nat- nature. In fact, we've got an angel that appears. Anybody ever seen an angel? No. Now, probably not. I mean, they don't appear that much, but some people do have or whatever. But we see right away, this is an odd deal because an angel appears and it's not just an angel, but it's talking to Mary, having a conversation, announcing something that's going to happen to her. And a virgin is about to have a baby. I mean, you know, that's kind of odd. Isn't it? That's kind of odd. And I think sometimes we just read through these stories and we're supposed to just kind of take them at face value and believe them. Uh, but when you think deeper about these kind of things, it, it's odd. It, it's an odd thing. You've got a young girl talking to an angel about having a baby who's not married, who's a birth. Doesn't that? Does that strike you? Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it's supernatural type stuff. And this is letting you know right away, this is not just your normal story. This is not just your normal family. This is not just a normal happening. Something very supernatural, beyond the natural. And if it's truly supernatural, it ought to stretch every fiber in your mind. You know what I'm talking about? And modern minds don't like to be stretched that direction because we've got to figure everything out. and We've got the reason. We've got to do 2 plus 2 equals 4. But sometimes in God's economy, 2 plus 2 does equal 5. I don't understand it. That's why it's supernatural. You know what I'm talking about? All right. So this angel appears to this young virgin. Now, the idea of a virgin is this young lady who's unmarried. She's pure. She's untouched. And she asked the question that we should be asking while we're reading this. Okay. Now I know you've heard it countless times probably. I've I've read and studied this both for Christmas and studies and and reading through the Gospels. But she asked the question that you ought to be asking the text when you read something like this. She says, "How, how can this be? How is this going to happen? You know? And and, and the only way to get to the right answers is to ask the right question. So Mary does that. She says, how can this be? How can I have a baby? That's a reasonable question to this kind of unreasonable scenario that he's presenting to her. Wouldn't you say so? See, I think our problem is that one of the reasons our faith is not rooted like it should be is because we don't think deep enough about these things. We just kind of take and you just read over that. But it's really... It's, it's really kind of odd. Can I say that? Can a preacher say that? <laughs> it's a logical question. How can this be? It, it, this, this is going to be, according to this angelic announcement, this is going to be a creative act of God. It's not, it's not going to be like a normal type thing. It's not going to be just a man and a woman coming together and having offspring and having family. This is going to be a creative act of God. And we get a little bit of language here. He says that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. God's going to come and overshadow you. Now, right away, that ought to put us in mind of another Bible story. It's like the Spirit of God is going to come. And it's almost like it's the language is like he's going to kind of hover over you. Now, is there any other Bible story that you know about where the Holy Spirit is said to hover over something? Any any other Bible story you know? Because it's actually a connection point to to understanding what's happening here. Anybody remember Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2? It says that the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep is how it's worded in our English. The Spirit of God hovered over the the waters and over over the earth, and out of that hovering came creation. So what what the story is telling us now is putting us back in touch with this idea of creation because what's happening with Mary right here and what's going to happen with Jesus, a brand new creation is being born. This is going to be a brand new creation. It's going to be a brand new beginning, not just for Mary and for this one called Jesus. It's going to be a brand new beginning for all humanity. And out of that is going to come a brand new creation. In fact, Paul kind of capitalizes on that that language when he talks about what it is to be born again, what it is to be a follower of Jesus. He said, any man who is in Christ, any woman who is in Christ, behold, they are a... what does it say? A new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Do you see the idea? It just when you start thinking deep, but it just enriches these stories. God is going to use this lady, and a supernatural creative miracle is going to happen, and a brand new creation is going to start. We could almost even say a brand new race of humans is going to come into being because of what is going to happen with her. Because of what's going to happen with Jesus. Now it's not a race like red and yellow, black and white. It's not a race like that. But it's a whole new race of people that God is going to call the church. It's going to have an impact and effect on the entire world. All right. So why this way? Why did somebody wrote a song a while back? Such a strange way to save the world. You know. The story of Jesus is kind of shocking to your senses. And I can promise you if any of us were alive during that time and we ran into Mary and she told us this story, your eyebrows would go up and be like, mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't it? I mean, seriously, think about that now. I mean, she had a lot to endure to try to explain this whole scenario and situation. I mean, could you imagine going to your father and talking about this? It'd be kind of t- difficult. It would be. But why this way? Why this way? Well, just just a a simplified answer here. Mary gives Jesus his humanity, and the Holy Spirit's involvement shows us the divinity of God, or or God himself, divinity working, kind of like Adam was. Adam, the first man. Adam, which literally translated in Hebrew, the word simply just means dirt or earth. You know, that he's an earthling. He's this new creation that God made. But what did God use to make Adam? What was Adam? He was, he was dirt. God reached into his own creation, gathered up all the raw material that he needed, which was basically dirt. And, uh, you know, I could say a lot of jokes about that kind of thing, About you know, but we're trying to stay holy. But Adam was the first dirt bag. But anyway, I, I, I couldn't resist. I can't resist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> in, in a good way. Adam was made from the dust of the earth, from the dirt that God had. He was made from that dirt, but that wasn't all he was made from. Adam, as he lay there, fashioned and shaped as a human being, as he lay there, he's he's shaped as a human being, but he's lifeless. And what did God add to him in order for him to come alive? What did he do? He breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and that man brought life. he, He came alive, right? Because of the breath of God. So so Adam is made up of the dust or the dirt and the breath of God. Jesus is going to be made up of the substance of humanity just like Adam was. And he is going to be also made up of this divine encounter, this this life of God that's going to be imparted to Mary. And it's going to be this union that he's going to be 100% human and 100% God. You get that? In fact, Paul kind of gets that idea into it when he starts talking about Jesus in the in the book of Romans, which is some real deep theological stuff. At the book of Romans, that's really worth worth a lot of attention. Is that Adam was who he was, the first man, but now Jesus is the new Adam, because something kind of like what happened to Adam happens to and through Jesus, to a virgin. Lots more we could say about that, not to mention it was spoken of throughout the course of history, through the prophets, that it would happen this way. Another phrase that kind of grabs my attention reading through there is what the angel says to Mary that you have found favor with God. Say that with me. You have found favor with God. That word favor, it's translated several times in the scripture. It's actually the, the Greek word charis, c a c h a r i s which we get our word charismatic or, uh, you know, that, that idea that somebody may be very charismatic, they're kind of gifted with people and things of that nature, got a good personality. It's more likely translated in scriptures almost all the time, the word grace. So it could very well say you have found grace with God. You've found favor with God. Kind of the way we use the word favor is that, you know, we have a favorite soft drink or we have a favorite restaurant or we have a favorite, you know... Type of food, or we have a a favorite person, or you know, we got favorite kids. You know, not supposed to get into all that, I guess. But we use the kind of idea of the word favorite. What's what's the idea of a favorite? Well, it has my favor of I I like that. I like that. So I guess in one sense you could say that God has looked down upon you, Mary, and He likes you. He he wants to be gracious to you. He wants to impart to you. He wants to give to you because that's how love expresses itself. God really likes you, Mary. In fact, it would kind of be okay to say, Mary, I think you're God's favorite today. I had a friend in in Georgia. She always wore a t-shirt. It said, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Anybody ever seen that? (laughs) But, you know, you, if, if you've got kids, you, more than one kid, you, you know that you can have more than one favorite. And all your kids are your favorite, but maybe for different reasons and, and, and ideas like that. But, we, we, we tend, I mean, I, my favorite food is Mexican food. But also my other favorite food is Italian food. My other favorite food is, uh, you know, whatever food is hot in front of me. That's my other favorite food. You know what I'm talking Anybody feel my pain right there? Right there? I mean, we have a lot of different favorites and God's, he's so good and he's so big and he's so kind and he's so gracious and he's so equipped with all kinds of good things that all of us can be his favorites all at the same time and get exactly what we need and want from him. Think about that. This idea of life, this new life especially, all of life is built upon the graciousness of God. All of life is built upon the benevolence and the graciousness of God. The New Testament begins to unpack it. It says this, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace or he gives favor to the humble. Hmm. Kind of gives us a little insight into Mary's character a little bit. God's got a lot of favorites. He begins to pour his favor out upon this one called Mary. You know, beloved, it is the favor or the grace of God that makes all the difference in our lives. It's not our doing. It's not our earning. It's not our achievements. It's not our efforts. It is God's grace that saves us and grace alone. Amen. We are saved because of his favor. And I promise you, if you would ask for anything upon your life, you would want to put yourself in the position that you could be a recipient of God's favor. There's no coincidence after God created man and placed him in the garden the the very first thing he does with man it says this he blessed them all out of genesis 1 and it's telling us that man cannot live properly without the blessing and favor of god life doesn't work right without god's favor you have found favor with god how many want more favor this year we need more favor. We need more favor in whatever form it might come in. It comes in a multiplicity of things and ways. Well, let's ask Him for it. Can we do that? Can we just ask Him to help us to position ourselves in a way that we can find that favor? Lord, this, this phrase just really stood out to me. We need your favor. We, we long for your grace and your favor, Lord. Help us as your people to position ourselves and humble ourselves in such a way that, that we can receive your favor more and more. We need your favor on our jobs. As we, as we manage all of our assets and resources and as we care for people and, and take care of things, Lord, that you've put in our, 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 into our, our sphere of influence, we need your favor with our families, Lord. We, we've got to speak to our children and our grandchildren and our friends and family, Lord, with wisdom and insight. and We need your favor to do all that, Lord. We need your favor upon our finances, God. We need your favor on us as we go out and about. And I'm reminded of Jesus. It says that He grew and increased with favor with God and with man. May that be said of us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Then the most famous phrase of all the the conversation here, you shall call His name Jesus. You shall call His name Jesus. Now the the word right there just simply kind of entails the character of this one that's going to be born, that this gospel's about, this announcement's about. It, it talks about the, 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 the mission that he's going to, to have because the name Jesus simply means Savior. Simply mean you can begin to unpack it. It, it. it also could be translated, Yahweh is salvation or the Lord shall save. And when we talk about Savior, we don't really use that word that much in our Vocabulary every day and all that kind of thing. We would kind of use the word more like rescuer or, or liberator or uh, freedom fighter or, or deliverer. Something of that nature would be more along the lines of what we would use. But he is saying his name shall be called the rescuer. He shall be known as the savior. He shall be known as the deliverer or the one who will liberate. Well, if, if that's the case, then that kind of puts in mind... If Jesus is here to save us, our next question is save us from what? And our minds might go to a hundred different things. God has something very particular in mind. In Mary's day and her people, it might be uh, Lord, save us from these Romans. I mean, these Romans, excuse me. (laughs) Save us from these, these Romans who are really trying to, I mean, they're oppressing us. That could be where it is. That's kind of where everybody's mind went when they thought of a Savior who would rise up, that he would be military in, in nature. God's got something else in mind. We get a little bit more detail, a little bit more insight from Matthew 1.19 when the angel encounters Joseph and he, and he visits Joseph in a dream. He adds a little bit more detail. He says, you shall call his name Jesus. And he, the angel says this to Joseph because he will save his people from their sins. So he's coming with a particular mission in mind. He's going to rescue or liberate, deliver his people from their sins, from the things that keep them the most important and the most grievous thing that they have in their life is not the Romans. It's their character flaws and it's their disobedience to God and it's sin. And Jesus comes to rescue us and the nature of his mission is revealed in his name. Now, if we were to go back in history, there's another one in history who's also named Jesus. We translate his name a little bit differently. The Hebrew, his name would be Yeshua. And if we translate Yeshua kind of directly into English, we would get the word Joshua. Okay. Anybody remember any Bible stories about one named Joshua? Was there one? Remember him? What, what, what did he do? Well, he was the one who came after Moses, right? And what Joshua did, he led the people of God out of the wilderness, out of the desert, and he led them into the promised land. There's no mistake about it. Everybody that would hear that name would think, this is a very common name, but everybody that would hear that name and think deeply about it would say, is he going to be one like Joshua? And the answer to that question would be yes, He is going to be one who will lead his people, God's people, into a whole new promise. Hmm. Call his name Jesus. And he begins to add a few little details to it. He says in verse 31, this one called Jesus will be great. He'll be the son of the highest. Son of the highest. Who's the highest? Who's that? It's God. He'll sit on the throne of his father, David, and he will be called later on in verse 35, I think it is, he will be called the son of God. Now, if we kind of were to condense all that down to one word, it would be the word king that this one called Jesus will be a savior and he's going to be the best kind of savior because he's going to have all might and authority because he will be the king who is the king and the son of the highest of highest. This one called Jesus is going to be a king. Acts 4.12, Peter preaching he kind of talked to us about this name, Jesus. Now, I don't know if we, we say his name so much, sometimes it loses its shine. But the, the highest name that you can speak is the name Jesus. Acts 4.12, you, you probably heard this. It says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Now, one of my fondest memories of my grandmother growing up and she's a lot of credit to her for our faith in our family she would pray a a lot she would pray for us and she would cry a lot she just had a real tender heart and she was the most giving person i'd ever known and met but when she prayed my grandmother when she prayed before she started in all the needs and all that kind of stuff and it it was kind of like a default it just happened automatically with her she would come, come to us and she would pray for us. She'd know we had something going on or maybe we weren't feeling well. And she would just start her prayers just, just like this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I mean, I'm telling you, she would say it 50 times at least. Anybody heard anybody pray for you like that? She would just say, Jesus. Jesus. One time I asked her, I said, Mama, how, how come you always say Jesus all the time? She said, well, son, that's the greatest name there is. And that's the highest name I know. And that's who I'm talking to. And that just really stuck with me as a kid. So sometimes when I pray, now, when I pray, it's just Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know. No other name. Now listen to this about this name, Jesus. Philippians 2, 8 through 11. We talked a little bit about this Wednesday night. It says this about, about this one called Jesus. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. This is the idea of the highest thing, the son of the highest and the king idea. And he's given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord or he's king to the glory of God the Father. So what was the name given to him? That's the name above every name. It's the name above the Caesar of their day. It's the name above the leaders of our day and the kings of our day as well. It's the name above every name that could ever be named on the face of the earth. God has exalted Jesus to a place to say that I'm giving you this name and this name will be honored above all names for all of eternity. And it's the name of Jesus. That's why we don't take his name lightly. That's why we don't speak his name in the form of a slur or some kind of frustration or worse, cursing. We don't use a name that is that valuable to humanity in that kind of way. Amen. And when we talk to him or we call his name or we use his name, we're talking about the greatest name that not just only is, but will always be. You hear me? Another phrase. Verse 33 says this, Of His kingdom there will be no end. Say that with me. Of His kingdom there will be no end. So He's going to be a king. And according to this statement and and many other prophecies and things that's going to happen and, and has already played out and will continue to play out for all of eternity... This kingdom is going to be the greatest kingdom that the world has ever known. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, when we think of that, that idea of no end, we think of kind of maybe oriented with our time. I don't think it's just oriented like that. but It is a forever kingdom. There's no doubt about that. It is a kingdom that will last forever. But it's also a kingdom that will have no end. It will have no end to the extension of its boundaries. I believe he's saying that it will be a forever kingdom, but it will also be the kind of kingdom that is unstoppable. It'll be the kind of kingdom. See, see, Jesus had a mission. You think that some people are ambitious and you think that all these other leaders and people are ambitious. The most ambitious person, we don't always think of him like this. The most ambitious person that's ever lived is Jesus of Nazareth. Because he stands up and says, I am the king of the world and of my kingdom there will be no end. And everybody will recognize me as king one day. That's pretty ambitious. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And he is so ambitious that his heart is to conquer every human heart and every square inch of God's creation. Of his kingdom there will be no end. End. it's always going to be increasing unstoppable no foe will ever rise up they will fight against it don't get me wrong but no foe will ever be able to stop it it's god's forever kingdom of his kingdom there will be no end it's transcendent it'll outlive time stretch on into eternity of his. So when, when you sign up, this is what you're signing up for. The kingdom that not only has no end, but it's, it's, it's a kingdom that the scripture says that is unstoppable, but it's also unshakable. In other words, all the kingdoms and things of this world can be shaken, torn apart, conquered, you know, done away with, diminished, all that kind of thing. His kingdom will not be of that nature. It will be something that can never be shaken by circumstances, by plague, by pestilence, by poverty. It can never be shaken and destroyed. In that way, that's what we signed up for. That's what we're a part of. And our last phrase, the last for the day. There's tons more here. Verse 37. This is my favorite Christmas phrase. This is my, one of my favorite phrases in all of the Gospels. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Say it with me. For with God, nothing will be impossible impossible say again come on now for with God nothing will be impossible let that sink down to your toes because this is a great statement of faith right here and it's a great statement of confidence in God and towards God why will all of this happen the virgin have a baby this baby raised up to be king who is an unstoppable king who has a kingdom that will actually take over the entire creation of God how is all this going to happen with God, nothing will be impossible. This will happen because God is behind it. God will make it happen. Now, I, I want these words, for with God, nothing will be impossible. I want them to kind of sink down into your bones. Kind of sink down into your heart to where every situation you face, this pops up. Now, whether God will or not, that'll be his, his call. But whether or not he's able, we know he can do anything. For with God, nothing will be impossible. This is what the angel said. I mean, this is kind of a heaven. This is heaven talking to earth. And it's something the earth doesn't know about God. Oh, they, they've had glimpses of it. But this is, this is an angelic revelation about the God who he stands in the presence of. He said, let me tell you something about God. Even though you may not have it lined up in your circumstances or in your power to perform it, I want to tell you something. Heaven wants to tell you something, tells the earth something that with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Christmas tells us that, because it's a far-out story. It pushes the limits of our thinking and our mind and our understanding. And goes from the realm of the possibility stretching into the impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. His power is unmatched. His wisdom is incomparable. His plan cannot be stopped. His pur- purposes will prevail. His promises are sure. His truth, His word is His truth. Nothing is impossible with God. There's never been a question that He didn't have an answer for. There's never been a problem he can't solve, a dilemma that he can't figure it out, an obstacle he can't overcome. There's never been an enemy he cannot defeat. And the angel would speak to all of our hearts and say, "For with God nothing is impossible." Amen. Memorize that. Get it. Say it over to yourself. Speak it to your faith. Until it I mean faith comes by hearing the word of God. This is part of the word of God. The angel gives it to us and says, "God is bigger than you've ever imagined. And He can do anything. And While we're living through some pretty perilous times and a lot of things are happening in our community and in our lives, we've got to be reminded though though, though hell roar and things come against us and it seems like we lose a battle here and lose a battle there, God wins the victory. With Him, nothing is impossible. Do you believe that? So we hear these things. What should our response be? How should you and I respond to news of this importance and this magnitude? How should we respond? Well, you could simply refuse to believe. A lot of folks that hear the word of God and just simply refuse to believe. Maybe because they don't quite understand it. Maybe because it kind of contradict something or what they think, but you could refuse. Or you could doubt. You could doubt the validity of these claims because they go way past your possibilities. Or you could have another response. You could have a response like Mary had. Let's know what Mary says. I mean, you know, we're reading this story. This story is happening to her. There's a whole different level with Mary. And here she becomes like like the model disciple, what it really means to believe God, what it really means to serve God. What a wonderful lady. We could and should respond as Mary did. This is what she says in response to all of this. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Now we wouldn't necessarily say it like that, but we may say it like this. God, I'm here to serve you. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. That's what she says. God, I'm your servant. I like to think she said something along these lines. Your will is my will. I say that's faith when you begin to serve the God who stretches you beyond even your own capabilities. What a response, huh? Maybe God's called you to something. Maybe God's calling you to follow him. Maybe God's calling you into an endeavor or an assignment or a purpose or a plan. Maybe God's calling us into something that stretches us beyond our our boundaries and our expectations and certainly our resources. What what should our response be? Well, I don't know how this is going to happen. But nothing is impossible with you. I'm at your service. (laughs) I'll do whatever you want me to do. Then she continues her response and she says this, Let it be to me according to your word. Say that with me. Let it be to me according to your word. Hmm. That's all she had was a word on it. Nothing had happened. Just God had spoken through his angel, through his messenger. And she simply said, I believe your word. Faith comes by. Hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I like to say it like this faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God because we got to hear it more than once all all the time. I hear her saying, I want to be a part of what you are doing, God. Include me in your plans. Now she would have to let go of her plans in order to partner with God's plans. We all do. I hear her saying, I want to be a part of this miracle called Jesus. That was her response. Let it be to me just like you said. If he's going to be king, he'll be my king. If he's going to be the son of the highest, I'll worship him. If he's going to have a kingdom without end, I want to be a part of that kingdom. Let it be to me according to you. And if I have to go and stretch past all of my boundaries and all of my senses, I'll do whatever you say. I want to be a part of this miracle called Jesus. It's a great response, isn't it? Let's pray. Lord, help us. Help us. Your word stretches us. Your ideas stretch us. Trying to understand you, Lord, takes us way beyond our capabilities. But Lord, you never called us to figure everything out. You called us to just simply have faith. Now, it's not faith that's unfounded, it's not just stepping off a cliff, it's not blind at all. It's got substance, it's got anchor points. It's got something we're moving towards. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen our faith. We've got a lot facing us this Christmas. We need your help. We need to be reminded again that you can do anything, nothing is impossible for you. And just as you called Mary into this miracle of creation and your kingdom. You've called us similarly, Lord. You've called us into this partnership with you. You've called us, Lord. So let it be to us according to your word.